Welcome to the third episode of the Better With Brock podcast. Today, uh, I have my second guest on the podcast and we have Brad Buyaki. What's up, man? How you doing? Hi, I'm uh, doing pretty well. I'm uh, uh, super pleased to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for jumping on, man. Now, I like as soon as... Um, so Brad is a previous client of mine. We worked together. And as soon as he kind of told me what he was doing at the time... I was instantly fascinated and I had this thought like, as soon as I have a podcast, I got to get this guy on. So <laughs> he works, um, yeah, yeah. Brad works heavily in the sleep area. And I was just saying before we jumped on that sleep, in my opinion, is the supplement that everyone needs to be taking. It's the, it's the quick fix that no one's acknowledging or, or even like, you know, the, the elephant in the room where I feel like we all know is such an important factor to life like we do it every day yet no one's kind of trying to optimize it or make the most of it so brad like how did you get into oh well first of all like what are you actually doing at the moment like in terms of working and sleeping like how did you fall into your job now mm. uh so uh, that's a great question um so currently um what i'm doing is i'm a, a polysomnographic technologist uh, so essentially, I'm a, a sleep tech where uh, I work in a uh, in a sleep clinic, uh, and so people will be referred to my uh, clinic by just their uh, their family doctors or their GPs uh, if they're having that they're finding uh, sleep issues. Uh, so people who are maybe feeling very uh, pathologically sleepy throughout the day, or they're having trouble with insomnia or any other host of of sleep issues that they might be having, they'll come to my clinic. And essentially what I do is I uh, set them up with some recording equipment to be able to monitor their sleep throughout the night. And I am uh, able to assess that. And uh, we use that information to uh, uh, essentially uh, create a, um, a treatment plan for that patient that will help to correct their sleep. Uh, and so I, uh, I actually fell into the, um, the field of sleep, uh, in my opinion, pretty much on accident. Um, <laughs> in that, uh, so I have a, uh, a degree in neuroscience, so I definitely knew I wanted to go into something where I was uh, dealing with the brain and also uh, with a mental health focus. It's very uh, uh, important to me. Um, and so uh, I knew that was the direction I wanted to go in. However, uh, I really had nothing uh, to grapple with. Uh, even at the time, I didn't know that sleep was, you know, getting a sleep test was a thing that people could do. I was the same as, as a lot of my patients that realized. Yeah. Like, when I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even know, like, like even to be honest, you know, like before we started talking, like, I didn't even know that was a thing that you could get that done. And I don't mm -hmm. think most people, you know, like you're saying, know actually that that exists. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, definitely becoming uh, a thing that is more popular and more widely known, but it is still very much um not talked about very uh very widely uh, i feel like a lot of people have the sort of mentality um of their sleep or uh, oh if i didn't get a good night's sleep i just need to i don't know sleep more next time or like sleep in on the weekend or something like that without realizing maybe there is a way to have that assessed to see if there is maybe something that's actually can be corrected uh or something that's preventing them from getting any any good night's sleep like that um and so it wasn't until i was looking for uh, opportunities uh, in a mental health capacity that uh, the hospital I work at is a, is a mental health hospital. Uh, and so when I, uh, uh, when I was looking for positions there, um, I was talking actually with the, the, the manager there and she was saying, oh yeah, of course we have uh, some 
volunteer opportunities right now. Uh, you could work in the coffee shop or you could work in the library, or there's also a sleep research lab that a doctor's setting up now. And I was saying, does anyone pick coffee shop? Obviously, I want to do the sleep research. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> and then it was, uh, it was in that lab that I, I really fell in love with sleep and being able to uh, actually monitor the brain and the different uh, levels of activity that's happening throughout the night that it really just... Uh, uh, really just fell into it real hard. <laughs> yeah. And I, and like, uh, I, I suppose it's something that you can dive into like really deep if you want, like there's the surface level of, of like you were saying, like, Oh, I'm getting a bad sleep. I think I just need to sleep more or maybe mm -hmm. I need to just allow more time. But obviously you've probably experienced a lot of people that actually have different, um, or, or maybe more serious problems with their sleep. But, but why the interest in mental health? So like, like, I think that there's a big, you know, like they're intertwined together, sleep and mental health. But what made you kind of focus in that area or what made you passionate about it? Mm, that's a, a really good question, too. Um, so mental health, I guess, has always just sort of been a uh, uh, sort of just a passion of mine since I was uh, an adolescent. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, uh, as a, as a queer child growing up in rural Ontario, Canada, um, mental health was something that was both an issue and also not addressed in any way, <laughs> yeah. uh, growing up. And so when, uh, when I was able to, uh, you know, start realizing that it was, uh, you know, first of all, a thing that, uh, people would, uh, would have issues with and could be corrected. Mm. Um, I, I just became very interested in that and, uh, finding, uh, you know, how the brain works uh, and uh, ways when it's maybe not working as optimally or, or correctly as we'd want it to, being able to actually uh, correct that through like non-invasive therapies. So things that aren't surgeries, things that are like behavioral cognitive things, uh, where it's someone just sort of doing the, the work uh, and putting in practice to be able to correct uh, something and then having it work effectively. And that's something I just fell in love with. And then eventually when I ended up uh, getting into sleep, that's when they sort of both collided. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I feel like, like mental health is such a hot topic now. Like I think in some way there, like uh, one thing I don't enjoy is seeing online people kind of feeling like it's a contest, like, Oh, like kind of almost comparing like my mental health is worse than yours. But like, like, mm. like, like I think that, you know, like initially the conversation was awesome and that people, were like say in the fitness space of you know obviously that's where i hang out it's always physical health and then people are leaving their mental health behind and then i feel like because people were talking about it they were getting such a response and then it kind of turned into this thing like oh you know mental health and then you know people are kind of milking it just talking about it just because it's a hot topic or just trying to you know compare or share worse stories and then that's going to get more engagement because it's worse but i think it's such you know to kind of take the mm. hype out of it it's just such an important pillar to talk about especially in fitness because we pursue physical health sometimes at the expense of mental health like we don't know that this extremely restrictive diet that we're on is actually you know um, damaging our relationship with food or the way that we are continually pursuing this better body, better body, better body. And, and, and ultimately we're becoming more insecure about who we are and finding value in just how we look and not, you know, what our body can do or what we can actually achieve in life. So, um, absolutely. I like I completely agree with your, or I guess am aligned with your passion for mental health as well. I think that's where, 
um, it's cool that there is more awareness in mental health so people don't leave it behind because unfortunately, you know, I think in, um, in Australia, um, the number one killer for men between the age of, I could be butchering this, but somewhere between 25 to 40 is male suicide. And I feel like- Is that so? Goodness gracious. Yeah, I think that having these conversations around mental health and not cheesy ones or comparing, you know, who has the worst life or not, but just kind of giving people tools, like you're saying, that they can actually put in practice is super important. And I think sleep is one of the pillars that it can stand on. Like, you know, obviously a good night's sleep isn't, probably going to solve all your mental health problems or the things that you're going through in your head. But I think it can definitely help, you know, build a solid foundation for you to live life on. And I kind of want to jump into these tips that I, uh, that I emailed you when we were kind of first working together, just out of curiosity, I asked yeah. you for five tips for getting better sleep. And then later on, I wanted to talk about five tips to actually getting to sleep because I think they're two different things. Um, you know, like, having a great sleep is one, but if you can't get to sleep, there's kind of no point in focusing on that. So, so exactly. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you said um, these five things and I kind of like, I want to talk to them one by one, but number one, sure, yeah. uh, the number one tip you said, or, and, and maybe you didn't put these in order of priority, but I uh, just want to kind of go through them. Uh, number one was prioritize sleep. So can you kind of just expand on that? Like it's, it, it, it sounds pretty common sense driven, but <laughs> how do we prioritize sleep? Yeah. So, uh, also, uh, yeah, no, the, the order I sent them into, you, uh, uh, as well, isn't so much uh, important, like in terms of, um, you know, priority as well, cause they're all very important and, and I wouldn't, I guess, necessarily rank them because they are all, all very good tips to know. And just like things to have in your arsenal for, um, just, uh, uh, you know, general knowledge about, uh, you know, sleep education. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first of all, prioritizing sleep, uh, it, uh, I find, tends to be one of the, the things that falls by the wayside in a lot of cases, uh, especially that I'm seeing, where people will um, tend to have an attitude uh, or thought process about sleep, where uh, sleep is seen as more of um, like a waste of time or like the, the rest <laughs> that you can get after all the things that you have to get done in a day is done, then you like can have some rest of sleep, um, which is uh, a pretty common misconception for sure. Actually, uh, like, is that, yeah, mm -hmm. I have to jump in here. I was like that. Yeah. Um, um, I was laughing <laughs> with my fiance's family the other day because we found an interview that I was in uh, back in 2014 and I was very hustle, sleep when you're dead. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I remember saying, in the um, in that interview, I actually said sleep is overrated, and then like I said, a wise man once said, "Sleep when you're dead." And then I was like, <laughs> "Man, what a like what an idiot I was!" It was like you know I was just young and ambitious, trying to take over the world. But you know, looking <laughs> back at that, it's just crazy. I like I definitely fell into that trap, and I'm sure you've heard it a lot. And in another eight years, who knows? Uh, looking back on this episode of the podcast, uh, if you know, if we're going to think the same thing, oh, how foolish we were, but <laughs> yeah, how foolish seven to nine hours. What a joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for now, that is, uh, that is what you should do for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, until, until proven otherwise, this is, this is the good stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, for, for sleep, uh, it is a really very active process for the brain for sure. And so uh, it, in the way I think about it, it would sort of be the same to me as if you're 
uh, thinking about like, oh, I went to the gym and I exercised and that was a waste of time or like, oh, eating food, that's just a waste of time. These are things that your body physiologically needs to be doing. Um, and so thinking of it as just like putting it on the back burner or something that doesn't, um, uh, is something that you can just skip over or not prioritize is a place where a lot of people do sort of get uh, stuck on um, where, uh, oh, sorry, you're frozen and I want to make sure you're still there. Oh, I'm still here. Yep, I'm still here. Okay, perfect. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so uh, being able to uh, think of your sleep in that way really can do a lot to change um, uh, sort of just the down the stream attitudes towards your sleep and then the behaviors around your sleep is just starting to think of it as you know, the same as uh, eating right or, or going to the gym is like, this is the thing that you need to do to be healthy. Like, obviously, you absolutely can uh, stay up very late, not get, uh, get not very good sleep. You can do that. It's just if you also expect to have good sleep, you can, you know? Yeah. It's and, like and you can. Mm -hmm. no, 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 sorry, you go. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's, it's the same as you can eat junk food all the time. But is that going to be good for your body? No. And yes. okay. so trying to think of like, oh, here's the like one weird trick you can do where you can just do whatever nonsense you want to your body uh, in regards to your sleep. But if you do this, then it's all fine. It's not going to exist because it doesn't it doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah. And I think that that prioritizing sleep can often fall by the wayside because we often you know, live busy lives and we try and squeeze too much in and think, yeah, that it's a waste of time that nothing's happening. Oh, I'm just losing four hours or six hours or eight hours. But mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think also it's not like, it's not very obvious. Like sometimes you will sleep, like I've had it where I sleep four hours and I wake up and I feel amazing. And I'm like, and so you think, oh, maybe I don't need that seven to nine hours, you know, or, or you get away with it a couple of times, but it definitely does catch up. Like I've had times where, um, especially when I was personal training face to face, mm -hmm. you're trying to squeeze as many clients as you can during the day. And the busiest times with personal training is before work and after work. So mm -hmm. your sleep gets heavily Absolutely. affected. So cause, cause say in the corporate gym, which is where I was, I was based in the CBD. They would come to the gym. You know, you're very busy from let's say 6 PM till about eight, eight thirty. So you're up at four 45 getting into the gym before six. And then you're doing mm -hmm. um, the morning block, which is busy. And then during the day, it's a bit um, like lunchtime's busy cause it's a lunch gap. So you have these lull times, which are like somewhere between nine to 1130 and then somewhere like two to four 30, but you can't go to sleep then. And then you're busy again from about seven to nine and then you're home at 10 and then there's like nowhere to sleep. So I definitely fell into that of not prioritizing it and letting other things in life prioritize that like, or, or kind of come into a higher priority than sleep would. And I remember just feeling drained sometimes and clients would sometimes say to me, man, you look tired, Brock. And I'd like be denying things and I'd try and hype myself up. I was like caffeine, like I was so caffeinated. It wasn't funny. I would wake up straight <laughs> for the caffeine, drinking like a liter of coffee. I like, I remember putting a plunger of coffee, just like it was, it was a lot. And I would just scowl that at like 4.45 and then just get like into the gym. And it's like, Jeez this, the <laughs> this, this can't be good, man. This can't be good. <laughs> so number two was make your sleep sleeping environment sorry more conducive to sleep can you can, can you talk about that mm -hmm. yeah so uh, uh for sure when um 
when you're going to be going to sleep, um, and actually really just every aspect uh, of your day, when you're going to be eating throughout the day, when you're going to be exercising throughout the day, um, the human brain is remarkably uh, obsessed, I would say, with trying to make patterns and trying to predict what you're going to be doing. Uh, and so in your brain, uh, well, you, you have uh, essentially like a little clock that's going uh, throughout the day that's called your circadian rhythm. And that's uh, how your brain um, essentially monitors and, and uh, oh boy, the word's not going to come to me, maybe. Uh-oh. <laughs> regulates, um, maybe? Regulates. That's exactly what it is. Thank you. Yes. How your, how your brain uh, regulates your physiological processes when it's preparing uh, to digest food because it knows that it's the time of the day where you're going to be eating. Uh, when you're going to be uh, sleeping is uh, exactly the same. And so to uh, have your sleeping environment more conducive to sleep, essentially what I mean by this is that um, when you are going to sleep and your brain is in that mode of, of being ready to go to sleep, um, if you're bombarding it then with all these other stimuli for being awake, essentially you're trying to fight against that, that uh, pressure sleep at that point. Like if you have uh, like uh, screens, if you're like watching television before bed or using your phone is a huge one as well now. Um, having that light in your, in your eyes, um, it's sort of um, two, uh, two forces that end up working against each other because your brain is in this uh, space where it's ready to start going to sleep, but then also you're hitting it with blue light and blue light is uh, just the, the quality of light that, um, you know, screens do produce. And it's very similar to the uh, wavelengths of light that the sun produces. And so over billions of years, that's probably wrong, millions of years, sorry, <laughs> we've, uh, <laughs> we've uh, evolved to uh, have our brains react to this specific wavelength of light. So there's a nucleus uh, it, just actually in the brain behind the eyeballs. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And so this will detect that specific waveform of light. And that's what tells our brain essentially that it's time to be awake and starting to be active. And so if you're getting all that blue light uh, in your eyes right before bed, uh, like I said, it's, uh, it's working against what your body's natural clock is trying to do. So making your environment more conducive to sleeping, meaning like uh, before bed, uh, about an hour before bed, if you're dimming all the lights in your house or like just turning off half the lights you would normally have on, getting that uh, lower light condition so your uh, body's uh, settling down and relaxing more instead of uh, looking at a screen, reading books. It's, I mean, it's old fashioned, but it's pretty good. It works. Uh, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it, it super duper works for sure. Um, also having, uh, um, if you're someone who's, uh, unfortunate like me, who works at night and maybe sleeps during the day, making sure that, uh, there's as much darkness as possible, getting really good quality, uh, blackout curtains to make sure that there's as little light as possible. If there's noise, if you live maybe in a busy city, or if you live, um, in a place where there is uh, a lot of noise going along and that's interrupting your sleep, maybe, um, white noise or, or um, you know, something to block your ears to keep all that ambient noise out so that, you know, you're, you're able to uh, settle down before bed. Uh, and also even throughout the night, um, or, or actually maybe I'll, set, uh, I'll save that for getting to sleep when, yeah, we, when okay. we get to that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Before I start blabbering on. <laughs> yeah, going into detail, but it's awesome, man. It's, it's really valuable. I can definitely uh, 
you know, stand by those things. Uh, previously in this uh, apartment, uh, we don't go through this, but my fiance and I used to uh, live on a busy street, like you said, and we could actually hear the the pedestrian crossing going all night. So oh, the like, beeps. It was like, oh man, like sometimes when we'd wake up during the day and we didn't have very great curtains as well. So it was a little bit bright. Uh, and then mm. we're listening to the pedestrian man, like is, you know, that definitely <laughs> impacted, uh, impacted our sleep. So we're grateful to be where we are. Uh, mm. uh, moving on to number three, no smoking or drinking. Mm-hmm. And actually I'll say on this, just on the back of it, for some people, you know, maybe that isn't going to be realistic just to completely stop drinking or smoking. And I'm, mm-hmm. how can people, I guess, in some way have the, well, smoking, like, I'm not too sure. Like, I just think if you're smoking, you should just stop smoking. But anyway, like, so let's yeah. kind of <laughs> just try your best. That's, yeah. that's all anyone can ask. Just yeah. try. And if it doesn't work this time, maybe next time, you know, every, <laughs> every time you'll get a little bit closer, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like the attitude. So how can people, <laughs> I guess, kind of manage the, uh, let's kind of focus on drinking. Like, how can they manage that? Because, yeah. you know, for some people, it's a part of their social life. It's a part of, you know, their career as well, going out for dinner with clients and doing all that stuff. So like, how can people manage that? But also, um, you know, talking about that importance of um, no smoking or drinking for better sleep. Mm. You know, you uh, talking about like going out uh, for drinks with clients. That is something that I hadn't thought about before. You're right. That does definitely uh, complicate uh, the the interaction of of, of drinking and, and sleep for some people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess in in cases like that, uh, and even just in general, um, for sure, uh, drinking uh, as a social activity as well. Um, that's obviously going to be happening most often at in the evening after people have uh, finished work. Um, uh, usually, I would hope not before work, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> you never know, I guess. But uh, <laughs> um, so, really, it's. Uh, I wish I guess I had something maybe more sensational about it, but it really is sort of just the basics of like in moderation. Um, so only, uh, obviously, you know, getting the blackout drunk, that's not going to be good for anything really. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah so having uh, only a couple and, and also really, um, uh, focusing on like knowing when you are planning on going to, to bed and not like, you know, stopping at a time where it's, uh, you'll have enough time to, to metabolize some of that before you have a chance to go to sleep because, um, and, and it is certainly is a thing that some people uh, will sometimes do is uh, having a drink before bed as sort of like a quasi sleep aid because uh, alcohol for sure it is it is a depressant it is uh, a drug and so taking it like it's a sleeping medication is something that some people uh, I find will will do mm-hmm. um, and it does uh, help you fall asleep because that's exactly what it does. It helps you fall asleep. Um, but in terms of the sleep that you're getting once you are there uh, is drastically worse, I would say, because the action of alcohol that has on the brain, uh, essentially um, when you are going through your sleep is all the different sleep stages that, uh, that your brain naturally goes through throughout your night, the rhythm that it has, uh, becomes very disrupted. So there's a stage of sleep called REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, uh, which is very crucial for for people to get throughout the night. It's um, 
uh, one of the stages uh, where people are going to be doing most of their dreaming in as well, for instance. And what alcohol does is it suppresses that a lot. And so uh, if you are going to bed and you still have a lot of alcohol in your system, you're not going to have uh, very much REM sleep while that's, while that's having an effect on you. Um, and so you might not be getting any of those nice um, uh, uh, cognitively restorative aspects to your sleep that you would get from having a good amount of REM sleep. Um, and then also, after the alcohol is wearing off, uh, even if it's happening throughout the night, then you're going to have sort of a rebound effect where you're going to be having a lot of REM, maybe too much REM all in one time. And also at the wrong times throughout the night where it's uh, throwing off all your other crucial sleep phases as well. Um, and so if you're giving yourself enough time, like switching to water at a certain point, or I guess if you're with clients, uh, all right, I'm going to uh, um, disclose how truly out of my depth I would be. Um, in a situation like that, would like ordering apple juice and then tricking the client work, or is that not feasible? I don't know. <laughs> well, they they could be so drunk they wouldn't even notice. You could probably yeah, just have knows? water and I tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think um, yeah, like that was just an example. Like after, like I coach a lot of business people, um, and even when I was face to face personal training in the CBD, it was very common. So, like it's quite like obviously don't smoke, don't drink that, that is going to lead to good sleep, of course. But it's just like, I guess I wanted to make it in a realistic application. Like how can people actually, because the reality of people just completely giving up drinking and go like, yeah, I just want to have good sleep is probably not that realistic. Um, but, um, but definitely it's helpful to know and understand that I guess alcohol can help you get to sleep, but the quality of sleep that you're going to get is not going to be uh, as good as it would be if you weren't. And you touching on that thing, how how rapid eye movement sleep is going to be a bit more, um, I guess, sporadic or or unexpected in the way that it's coming is how you're talking about your body likes to set up uh, systems so it knows what's coming. And then having that randomness is, is, is obviously going to alter your sleep. I remember when I was uh, younger, I don't drink at the moment, but when I did previously, I actually, um, and I didn't get, like plastered or completely drunk. But when I had some, I remember just waking up at like, I think it was like two or 4am and I just couldn't sleep again. So I just kind of woke up and we slept really late too. Well, like say like one o'clock. So I think I just got like a couple hours of sleep and then I was up. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, it was that REM. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I definitely couldn't fall back to sleep. It was like, like, I don't know. Cause I didn't drink that much. It had this weird effect on me that was like quite potent. Mm. Yeah, and obviously for, for some people, it's going to be more drastic than others. Everyone's a little bit different for sure. It certainly could have been just that like that, uh, that uh, delay that it was having on your sleep phases totally threw your, your rhythms out of whack and then you woke up and your uh, body was confused as to even maybe what time it was. Um, but also even going back to um, uh, like obviously... I'm not going to uh, explicitly say to everyone, no one should drink ever. <laughs> Obviously having, having a drink uh, in social situations or, or however, usually that's, that's perfectly fine. Mm. It's just, um, you know, just knowing uh, how to do it uh, smart, doing it, you know, a certain amount of time before bed, like an hour and a half maybe before you're going to bed. So you have enough time to be able to start metabolizing that. Having some water to, to help uh, flush some of your system to, uh, to keep it from having such a big impact on your sleep. And then you should be perfectly fine, really. Nice. And, and uh, number four is napping smart. Yes. 
Napping. Oh boy. <laughs> so I'm uh, personally not uh, a napper, um, which I, I to telling that to some of my patients, sometimes they get surprised, I guess, even just because I do um, live in the nighttime, essentially, where I'm awake at night and asleep during the day. They're um, confounded sometimes to hear that, like, I don't usually nap even on my days off. Uh, I also never drink caffeine. Um, just because the quality of sleep that I, I make sure that I'm able to get when I am sleeping um, is then uh, perfectly sufficient to propel me throughout the day until it's time for me to go to sleep again the next day. Um, however, that's not the case necessarily for every person. Um, what, some, what the research has uh, been showing us uh, is that we tend to be about split 50-50 between people who are uh, nappers and people who are non-nappers. And so uh, for the people who are non-nappers, um, I guess there's a 15 seconds skip ahead button or something, I don't know, uh, where you can go to the next tip. But <laughs> yeah. uh, for everybody else, uh, there are definitely some ways where you can uh, learn to nap in a certain way where it's not going to be interrupting or, or uh, degrading, de pardon me, degradating your sleep that you're getting at night. Um, and so, um, a lot of trouble that some people will have if they're finding they're very sleepy uh, in the afternoon or when they get home from work and then they'll have a nap is then that they're having a lot more trouble falling asleep at night. Mm. And so um, in addition to this circadian rhythm that I was talking about uh, being a factor for your brain knowing when it's time for sleep, there's also a second uh, pressure that builds up throughout the day that we just refer to really as sleep pressure. And so the longer uh, amount of time that you're staying awake, this pressure is building up uh, in the form of uh, a neurotransmitter in the brain that when it reaches a certain level, that's when it's signaling to the brain that it's start, uh, time to start getting drowsy. Uh, and the issue that uh, I find with naps is, is that that sleep pressure can go away very remarkably quickly uh, during a nap. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the first cases that is talked about in the, like psychology classes in, in university and things, uh, which uh, relates to sleep that I like to talk about a lot, um, is there was a high school student, uh, couldn't tell you the name or where it was or when it was. Oh boy, this might be a bad story. Uh, but <laughs> Go ahead, I'm buying yeah. <laughs> The point uh, of it is, is uh, for a science fair project for his high school, he was going to see what the effects of sleep pardon me, deprivation were on the body. And so he was just going to try and stay up for as long as he could. And I think he uh, ended up making it to about 11 days where he hadn't fallen asleep. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, it sounds insane. Um, <laughs> and so uh, from that uh, sort of landmark case, we, we ended up learning in the scientific field uh, just a whole lot about, you know, what sleep does when we're seeing what happens when someone's deprived of it. So like uh, short term memory completely gone, uh, starting to have like hallucinations and things like that. Um, and uh, really just obviously having trouble staying awake. But the thing that I always took the most out of that story is uh, when he was finished with this project and he did end up falling asleep, he ended up sleeping for about 14 hours and then he was just back to regular. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of the time people will think of like if they're getting less sleep throughout the week, then they'll think, oh, I'll just sleep more on the weekend and then I'll be able to catch up. Yeah. Uh, and the way that the sleep pressure actually works is that you don't really need any excess sleep. Like you can stay up apparently for 11 days and then you have essentially a normal amount of sleep and your body's back to the way that, it, that it's supposed to be. So this idea of catching up sleep is also um, something that's necessarily, or not necessarily um, uh, founded in, in any real sort of science. 
Um, and so for the case of, I got so off track. I'm sorry. We were talking about naps. No, 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 no. Uh, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I love this story because people oh, will be learning I, stuff on this because that's such a common thing. Sleepless <laughs> during the week, you know, working nine to five, you know, I'll only sleep six hours and then in the weekend I'll just sleep 12 and then I'll be all good. So keep going. I love exactly. it. Exactly. And, and so, and then also if people are sleeping in then on the weekend, it's going back again to that there's circadian rhythm. Now your body's thinking that you're trying to adjust to being in a different time zone now. So yeah, you might feel more rested that day, but then, you know, the next sleep you have is going to be uh, suffering because of it. So keeping that consistent schedule as well. Um, but going back to naps, sorry about that. I knew I was going to start blabbering because that's right, just the kind of person I am. So sorry. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely loving this. <laughs> um, so for napping, um, in order to be able to nap in a way that you're not losing too much of that sleep pressure, uh, to just get like a little bit of a boost throughout the day. First of all, I always recommend never, never fall asleep or start napping after two in the afternoon. Um, and so I absolutely, I understand that for cases of people who they're working throughout the whole day, they don't have a, an opportunity to nap before they get home. There's not really um, an elegant solution in that regard other than, um, you know, um, either finding a way to be able to stay up until it is your bedtime so that you can keep that schedule uh, and have enough sleep pressure to be able to both fall and stay asleep throughout the whole night. Um, or if it is something that you're finding, you are having a lot of trouble with staying awake throughout the day, uh, it might even be something that something is happening with your sleep that uh, should be corrected if you have some sort of uh, thing that's interrupting your sleep throughout the night, causing you to have poor quality sleep, some sort of sleep illness like uh, sleep apnea or uh, narcolepsy or something like that. So in cases like that, um, for sure, uh, talk to your doctor about it. Uh, find a way that you can have your sleep assessed if that's a, a thing that you can have done in your city, um, uh, depending on where it's available. But um, if for people who can sleep uh, before two, that tends to be the, uh, the sort of cutoff time throughout the day where you can start building that sleep pressure back up in enough time to have enough to uh, be able to propel you into sleep when it does uh, get dark and it's time for you to be going to sleep. Uh, and also my recommendation uh, for naps is um, depending on what you wanna get out of your nap, spending different time, a different amount of time asleep. So if you're just looking for a little energy boost, I really wouldn't recommend longer than 20 to 30 minutes mm -hmm. because that's enough time for you to go through the first couple stages of, of sleep. So you'll start getting some of those energy benefits, uh, but it won't be necessarily long enough for you to start going into a deeper uh, stage of sleep where your brain waves are getting very slow and uh, that's sort of more when your body's gonna be repairing itself. Uh, and that tends to be the stage of sleep after around 30 minutes is uh, a very difficult sleep to wake up out of. So if you are uh, planning on waking up between uh, a half hour and maybe um, uh, 60 to uh, 70 minutes of a nap, people tend to feel a lot more groggy or even more tired after the nap because they're waking up out of this very deep stage of sleep yeah. and you really don't feel any of those benefits until you know it's uh, maybe even a half hour after your nap and then you'll actually be waking up properly. Um, so I think- So I think would you it. go, <laughs> so would you go, like would you try and push further? Like so 30 minutes or less, or if you're gonna go 70, would you need to kind of push further to kind of get that I guess, out of that groggy mm. feeling, if you try to nap for say two hours, would that help or would that be even worse? Like, cause that's almost a mini sleep. 
Uh, no, that's a that's a great question. Absolutely. So, um, uh, if you are going to be uh, looking to get the that uh, that little period of deep sleep in a nap, uh, for sure, I would say 120 minutes or about an hour and a half is sort of the sweet spot after that, because that'll give you enough time to go all the way through your deep stage of sleep and then go into uh, REM sleep that we talked about earlier, which uh, tends to be actually a very active stage of sleep for the brain. So when I'm monitoring it in the lab, it looks very, very similar to even when you're in a very light sleep or even awake a little bit with just how active the brain is. Uh, and that's because that's sort of when your brain's going to be doing all of its um, emotional processing, uh, regulating memories uh, and stuff like that. And also, like I said earlier, a lot of dreaming is going to be happening in REM, in REM sleep. So it does tend to be an easier stage to wake up out of because your brain's already very active. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, cause actually I'm interested in that because, so I track my sleep through Fitbit, which probably mm. isn't, you know, obviously as accurate as uh, what you do for work. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not hooked up to a machine, but I, uh, like I wake up most days and I look at it and there's an hour of my sleep that shows that I'm awake, but I'm asleep. Like I'm completely asleep. So like it says, so like I look at my watch and I'm like, and, and, and it'll say like six hours, 30 minutes. And I'll be like, man, I'm sure I went to sleep earlier. And then I'll look into the stats and it'll mm -hmm. have like an hour, an hour and a half awake. So I'd have to kind of just put that back into my sleep and go, okay, I actually slept seven and a half hours or eight hours because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how it reads it, but maybe cause I'm a very physically active sleeper as well. I move quite a lot. Sometimes I wake up, the, that was uh, going to be my next question. Yeah, Absolutely. Like, yeah, the, the eye folds on the floor or it's around my neck, my pillows on the floor. Sometimes I'm like on a, you know, diagonal, like I've got, I've got my fiance's pillow somehow, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm very active. So is that the best time to, to wake up in any sleep as well or just for naps? Um, for any sleep, yeah, it, uh, uh, so the way that the, the sleep cycles tend to go through, so what I talked about earlier about starting in the lighter sleep, going into a deeper sleep, and then having some REM, uh, that happens over and over throughout the night, typically in chunks of about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on the person. Mm. So at the end of one of those sleep cycles does tend to be the optimal stage of sleep to be waking up out of. Um, because uh, your body's already sort of in that, um, that state of uh, well, we're, we finished this cycle. Do we wake up or do we go into a next one? It's mm -hmm. very easy for the, the body to just choose one or the other, depending on um, the, the rhythm that, you're, that your sleep is in or, or how much sleep pressure you have as well. Um, in regards to your sleep and the, and the hour that it says you spend awake, I'm pretty sure that Fitbits tend to uh, monitor sleep based on movement and heart rate and possibly pulse or respiration. Yeah, the pulse um, is measured. Yeah, the pulse is measured as well. Um, yeah, so if you are having a very active sleep, if you're moving, the kind of person who tosses and turns a lot throughout the night, then it, I, I can definitely imagine that uh, misinterpreting that as um, being awake. Alternatively, there are definitely potentially um, uh, times where people might even be waking up throughout the night and not realizing it. Um, yeah, so, that was one of my questions that I was kind of wondering. Um, mm -hmm. you know, to Fitbit or to the world or to you, um, like, yeah, am I just not sleeping that well? Because I feel rested when I wake up. Like I'm not like, I feel like I haven't slept six and a half. If I sleep eight hours and it says I'm awake for an hour and a half, I don't feel like I've slept six and a half. Like I, I do feel asleep, but then, you know, I don't trust myself as well. I could just think I'm dreaming, but I'm actually in real life. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can just be awake, but 
kind of not realize it. Yeah, and it uh, it happens a lot more frequently than you might think as well. One of the things that um, uh, I think um, really struck me the most when I when I started working in the sleep field is realizing how just really god awful we are at assessing our own sleeps. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, a lot of the times I'll even have uh, patients come in uh, with you know very severe insomnia where they'll they'll say that they spend hours and hours trying to fall asleep. Um, and even uh, in the lab, I'll come in in the morning to start unhooking them from the wires and they'll be uh, very distraught. They'll say like, oh, I didn't, I didn't sleep at all. Do I have to like come in and have another test done so you can get information? And I'll have to be like, well, actually you, you did, you slept quite a bit throughout the night and then maybe you just are having trouble realizing it. And so that's maybe rather than a trouble with the actual sleep itself, it's a problem with the perception of sleep or the relationship the person has with sleep. Mm. Um, and sometimes they'll be like, no, I didn't. I know better. I'm like, all right, whatever, go home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not here to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, It's the but, same in fitness. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, sorry to jump in there. It's the same. No, in absolutely. Uh, it's the same in fitness. So research is very clear that we think we're more active than we are and we think we eat less than we do. So I think it's, uh, I think we think we're about 50% it's around 50%, 50% more active than we are. So people report like, oh yeah, you know, I, I do this and I do that. Or like, or with their diet, uh, like, no, I definitely don't eat that much. Like I, it was, it was, it was somewhere around 47% less or something like that, where we think like, yeah, I, I, and, and I think it just shows that we're really poor at analyzing ourselves. Like we always give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm, absolutely. That's uh, something that I personally found uh, when I started training with you and uh, started keeping track of steps, especially uh, trying to get that 10,000 steps in a day and then seeing, oh, going from the couch to the kitchen is not as far as I thought it was. <laughs> it's not a thousand steps. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that. How is that possible? I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, in terms of, of sleep perception as well throughout the night, um, there are definitely some times where I'll be treating someone uh, specifically with uh, like sleep apnea or some uh, condition where someone's having trouble with their breathing throughout the night, um, where sometimes it'll be happening where uh, someone will have a pause in their breathing throughout their sleep. And then the brain obviously starts recognizing that it's not getting as much oxygen as it needs. And so what it does is it'll pull them out into a lighter, like less restorative stage of sleep, or sometimes even just waking someone up entirely so that they can start breathing normally again. Um, but if someone's very tired or if they're in a, they were in a, a stage of sleep where they're trying to get back to sleep, they have a lot of called sleep inertia, uh, then they might just fall back asleep very quickly, too fast uh, for the brain even to form a memory about it. So I have had patients a lot of the time that will feel like they are sleeping right through the night when in fact they are uh, waking up several times uh, potentially because they're having this sort of respiratory issue. And so if that's uh, something that... Um, uh, you know, your listeners are, are finding is maybe coming up, it might be uh, certainly worth it to just have an objective assessment to, to see if something might be happening there. So if you're feeling asleep, but you're not asleep, does your body still reap the benefits of being asleep? Because um, like, I guess like, like I'm genuinely concerned about that, but maybe other people are running because I'm like, well, I've been awake, but I've, I feel asleep. Does it count or does it not count? Uh, that's a that's a very common question for sure. Um, and so what uh, what the research uh, has been indicating to us is that not quite. <laughs> so um, some people I know, isn't it frustrating? <laughs> um, it is a very common thing as well to think like, oh, if I'm if I'm lying in bed with my eyes closed and I'm relaxed, it's the same essentially. Um, <laughs> but uh, the way that the brain 
um, or the processes that the brain goes through throughout sleep and also even through the distinct stages of sleep, the brain is doing very different things uh, from like one stage of sleep to another as well. Um, if you are awake, but you're uh, even still relaxing, that is sort of giving your body a chance to not do anything for sure. But uh, all the things that the, that the brain um, uh, works at during sleep are still not happening. So like even um, for getting like nice deep sleep, the, um, uh, we call it uh, stage three sleep. That's the deepest stage of sleep that you'll be in. That's the one I was saying happens about uh, an hour into sleep or, or 40 mm. minutes. What did I say earlier? I want to make uh, sure I'm consistent. Uh, between, <laughs> uh, it, it was like after the 30 minutes, 30 uh, minutes, but, yeah. Yeah, up to like 60, 70, you were saying. Exactly. Yes, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> um, so that stage of sleep um, is, uh, it, especially in, in the um, uh, framework of training and, and exercising, and, and, you know, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to uh, build muscle, uh, stage three sleep is uh, extremely important for specifically being able to get that because that's when your body is, uh, first of all, going to be very relaxed because you're asleep but also what your brain is doing in slow wave sleep or deep sleep, uh, stage three sleep, is that uh, it's also, uh, that's when your body is gonna be secreting its, its growth hormone to repair uh, mm -hmm. muscles, to um, improve cardiac and respiratory health. That's when your uh, body's insulin levels are gonna be regulating as well. Mm. So uh, even sometimes uh, when people do have sleep apnea and they're finding they're having trouble losing weight, um, it's sort of a twofold uh, uh, approach where they're not getting good sleep. Um, and so they're uh, maybe not getting this nice deep restorative sleep. Uh, so they're not feeling very um, uh, energetic. They don't feel like they can do much throughout the day, but then also throughout the night, their insulin isn't really uh, doing what it's supposed to be doing. And it's making it harder to burn off sugars and, and, uh, uh, and things like that throughout the day as well. And easier to store body fat. Yeah, exactly. Very easy. So, Annoying so that, easy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's like, yeah, and 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 I guess I kind of want to touch on training and sleep and that later on. Um, but mm -hmm. number five here, just to kind of bring it back, was uh, yes. sleep aid advice. And and well, specifically, you kind of touched on melatonin use. Um, so um, I'd love to talk about that because you know a lot of people, especially traveling and stuff, because melatonin is often recommended for for jet for jet lag. But um, if I'm uh, if I'm correct, I think it might be all right for short-term use, but long-term continually using melatonin is not that great. Is that exactly. true? Yes. That, uh, so exactly what you're saying uh, as well about jet lag, that's, that's um, the way I always like to frame it as well, for sure. Um, where melatonin or these other sort of similar um, over-the-counter uh, uh, sleep aids that whatever might be available in, in your country, um, wherever you're listening to this. Um, yeah. It, um, these are really things that are intended for uh, very short time use. Like if you are adjusting to a new, um, uh, a new time zone um, to try and sort of entrain your sleep onto a new schedule. So um, it, these are times when, you know, you're, you have your regular sleep wake rhythm that your body really wants to uh, set into, but then something's happened where like the daylight is now not happening at the same time as always. That'll help to just pull your sleep in a certain direction to reacclimate your body to its surroundings. Um, and because really what your body wants to do when it's making these, uh, these rhythms is it's going off of your surroundings when it's light out, when it's dark out, that kind of stuff. And so melatonin is a, is, um, a great option for helping with that until your sleep is where you want it to be. And then 
letting your natural processes go with how they how they should. Or in cases where maybe people are um, having more trouble with uh, if if they're tending to stay up very late at night and sleeping in in the morning, trying to pull that back um, to uh, a schedule that works better with like someone's work, for instance, if they have to work mm. early moving that back in that direction. If the, I guess the problem with um, prolonged use of this is that um, if, you're, if you're taking this on a regular basis to try and just help with your baseline normal sleep is that your body uh, begins to become uh, sort of desensitized to it in a way. So you'll be taking it every day and your body will start to expect it. And so um, in addition to, uh, you'll start having to uh, increase your dosage um, uh, gradually to try and, and keep up with your body getting used to it, your body is also going to be less likely to uh, start producing its own uh, endogenous melatonins that it, uh, that it naturally does uh, in, in dim light conditions anyway, um, because it's like, oh, something else has it taken care of. I don't need to do this. Um, and so uh, I would say if, uh, if uh, someone is finding that they are taking melatonin on a regular basis, if it's for longer than a month and you're still finding that it's not helping with, um, you know, putting your sleep in the schedule, it wants to be if your body is still shifting to a different uh, time to be able to sleep, then for sure it might be time to uh, talk to your doctor about it and see if there's any um, different options, like maybe a prescription medication that would suit better whatever a sleep issue you're having, or being able to assess, again, seeing if maybe there's something that uh, that could be corrected even without medication a lot of the times. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, because I've heard, yeah, I've heard that same thing. And it's interesting to hear it from you, obviously, you know, working very closely with sleep, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of myths out there, you know, like, like, you know, I just heard uh, melatonin helps you get to sleep, but just don't continue using it because you stop producing it. And that's exactly what you're saying. So I guess by chance, I'm right. But uh, I suppose there's a lot of, I guess, like bro science that you have in sleep, like we have in fitness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to navigate through. And, uh, and, and, and I suppose that's why I, you know, I wanted to get you on, but that's also why I'm so uh, upfront in the fitness industry kind of, you know, like, no, that's wrong. That's bullshit. Or like, you know, that's definitely not true. There's no research to back that up. It's really cool to Please have your God stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or just like save your money, save your time. You don't need to go to the gym every day. You know, you don't need to buy that tub of this and that you don't need, man, like even for sleep, there's, you know, there's products out there at the moment um, and I won't name them because I probably could, <laughs> could get sued, but they're like, um, and I like, don't know what kind of sponsors you're going to have for this podcast. So. <laughs> uh, there's none at the moment. There's <laughs> Hello, none. Casper mattress. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the freedom to say it, but there's um, like, there's products out there that are fat burning and um, like, you know, they're saying like, you can burn fat while you sleep. If you take this, like, it's going to help you get to sleep and it's going to help you burn fat. And I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure that cannot be right. That's it. Can't it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And, 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 and trust me, I was taking it before, you know, I was, you know, I've done everything and everything, but it's, yeah, it's really awesome to have your kind of, you because know, it's so tantalizing through. though as well. You just want it so desperately to be true, you know, that you'll believe it for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> And it kind of makes sense as well, all the marketing. You're like, yeah, maybe, you know, if I can burn fat, you know, during my sleep, then maybe I don't have to do it during the day. You know, there's yeah. like all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, moving forward quickly, and yeah, maybe we can go through it a bit quickly. I don't want to take up about three hours of your day. Oh, yeah, um, sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, the tips to getting to sleep. 
So, um, so maybe instead of just going through them one by one, I can just kind of say what they all are and then you can talk about them if that's better or, or we can, yeah, we could do rapid fire style if you want. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, so, um, the five tips that you said, um, getting to sleep pre-bed routine. So having a pre-bed routine, and then you can kind of explain what that looks like, uh, keeping your schedule consistent, which we've kind of touched on no phones mm-hmm. on the bedroom. We've kind of talked about that too. No caffeine in the afternoon yeah. and prioritizing relaxation. So do you want to just, yeah, I, I, I guess just, you know, be a bit more, um, yeah, rapid with the answers because yeah. Uh, yeah. Or ask you, uh, man, I think we could talk all day about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll just touch on each one uh, a little bit and sort of explain, make it a little bit more easy to, uh, to grapple with, I guess. Great. But um, it's been so- awesome, man. It's, it's, it's such good information. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to help, frankly. <laughs> so uh, in regards to pre-bed routine, um, in addition to, uh, I, I guess I sort of talked about it a little bit earlier, in, in addition to your brain having this rhythm that it likes to go to, it also likes to anticipate things. So um, even more so even than just going to bed at the same time every day, if you do the same things before bed each day, like um, an hour before bed, if uh, that's when you're dimming your lights, if you then uh, maybe brush your teeth, um, you uh, start reading maybe at that time. If you're doing these things the same time every single day, then your brain um, is not only in that rhythm, but it's also getting these, these uh, additional cues of like, okay, these are the things that we always do when we're getting ready for sleep. So that when you do turn off the light, your brain's already exactly in that mood of like, this is what we're doing now. And I'm I've already seen ready this for before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so having the, uh, just a routine that you can stick to uh, each day before bed, like even just like a half hour before bed, something that you're just doing consistently to get your brain in that, in that uh, headspace. So what have you found uh, that, then, um, uh, that works for you? Sorry to jump in. Like what works for oh, you no, for your pre-bed routine? Like, is there anything that you do? Like, obviously you said everyone's different. So everyone has like a kind of personalized approach, but like, what have you found that really works for your pre-bed routine? Uh, my pre-bed routine um, is very strict because I um, am, am falling asleep typically just when the sun's right coming up. So I've got that early morning sunlight that's trying to, to wake Pretty me up. Bright. So I got to fight real hard against that. <laughs> so what I do typically uh, to uh, go to sleep is I actually have um, these orange goggles that make me look like an insect weirdo. Um, but awesome. they, uh, <laughs> the tint of them, and it's a, a, a company in Toronto that um, uh, produces them, and they're really fantastic, uh, where they block a lot of those uh, wavelengths of light that are in the blue spectrum. And so it's not um, acting on my brain and telling it to wake up. So I'm only getting orange light. And so it's helping sort of like uh, uh, just how your brain naturally starts getting sleepier when it's looking at a sunset. Just that wavelength of light is what's uh, telling your brain to go to sleep. So I wear my glasses uh, about an hour and a half. I put them on before bed, um, which is usually when I'm leaving work. So I'm walking home looking like uh, just a freak, Uh, but it works for me. Um, and so I, uh, I find, and I'm, uh, and this is, uh, sort of more actually in your domain with, uh, fitness and, and nutrition, not sure if it's necessarily, um, the best thing to do. I find I cannot fall asleep if I'm hungry. So I'll have like a little, a little bite to eat, uh, as soon as I get home, uh, like a handful of nuts or something, uh, just to keep the, the grumblies at bay. Um, yeah. and then I'll brush my teeth and, uh, I'll start listening to, um, uh, something just like a podcast, possibly the Better with Brock podcast, episode uh, could be very helpful. 
<laughs> um, I'll start listening to a podcast just to, um, you know, keep my mind uh, from, you know, uh, a lot of stressful thoughts like, oh, what if uh, things I have to do the next day or, or things coming up that I just to keep my mind occupied on something else, but not too, too much that it keeps it from falling asleep. So I find listening to the radio, listening to a, a podcast you've heard maybe a hundred times before mm. is, uh, is very good. And also that's sort of what people like to do with television, but in a, in a capacity where you don't have that blue light is better. So if it's uh, a non-visual medium, uh, mm-hmm. definitely preferred. If if the, you're the kind of person who likes to listen to something while falling asleep, but that's what I do. And uh, I'm out like a baby. Yeah. So, so, so do you put like a podcast timer on and then fall asleep to that? Yes, exactly. I'll, I, on the podcast app that I use, I set it to just stop at the end of the podcast or at the end of the episode. And I never make it more than 10 <laughs> minutes in any way. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, moving on to the next one, keeping your schedule consistent. We kind of touched on this already, haven't we? Yeah, there's not, uh, I think, too, too much more that I, I really had to say about this. Just, you know, being uh, uh, aware that your body really, it's, it's just a glutton for consistency. So just finding a schedule that works for you and uh, sticking to it and your body will thank you for it. Mm. Um, no phones in the bedroom. Actually, this is a big one. So I want to start on this kind of what I've been doing recently. So I used to just uh, sleep with my phone beside me, like on the floor. Yeah. Um, and it was on silent and I would make it face down. Like it would annoy me so much when it's facing up and it like lights up the whole room and you're like yeah. almost asleep. And it's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> like I thought I was asleep. So, um, and uh, yeah, and, and I remember leaving it there one night and I had a challenge and it was the night before the challenge closed. Like a, uh, uh, it was a built by Brock eight week challenge, and the signups were coming mm. through from people overseas in different time oh zones. Boy. And yeah. it was just like I woke up with like you know seventy, eighty, ninety emails, and it was like like it was going crazy. I slipped through it, but my fiance was up all night just waiting for the vibrations. Um, so I kind of learned from then. I just turn it off and put it in another room, um, just charging or or just whatever. But um, and even though it hasn't really changed my sleep personally because i would like i'm a pretty deep sleeper Mm -hmm. just the just the habit of doing it makes me feel better like it makes me feel like i'm getting better sleep even though like i i'm not sure that i am but just the whole mindset of okay like electronics out of the room um we even took our tv and just put it in the lounge um, because Mm -hmm. we used to have it in bed we take everything like that out and and we're like in the bedroom is just where we go back and sleep and it's helpful Absolutely. That's, that's all uh, really fantastic things that I would recommend anyway. Phones, I always keep my phone in another room and also even in airplane mode because I don't even want to hear it if it rings uh, in another room. I don't yeah. care. It can wait. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, so having your, your bedroom really be an environment where your brain can recognize this is for sleep. It's not for being on your phone. It's not for being uh, watching television. This is really all it's used for. That really... It's, it's just far more gentle on your brain to, uh, uh, to have an environment where it's like, all right, this is your relaxing space. So um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you found that uh, whether or not you're technically sleeping better, you're feeling better about it. And that's, you know, that's a huge part of it as well. The subjective yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose it's a bit of placebo, like, but, but it feels more like, okay, this is what we do in this room is sleep. And I remember kind of when I first started in, uh, in, in personal training, I went to a course and they kind of touched on sleep a little bit, obviously not the depth that you've studied it on, but they were saying like, have certain places in the house or certain things that you do um, like 
like things for things. So bed for sleep, like don't lie on your, um, lie in your bed, you know, getting ready for bed and scrolling on your phone because then your brain's going to, or your body's going to remember, okay, I lie down and this is where also I also in the morning. Hey, yeah. Don't scroll on your phone when you're first getting, get out of bed when you wake up. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. So stuff like that, like, okay, couch, don't fall asleep on the couch because then you're like, your body's going to remember, okay, this is where I sleep. So then every time you sit there, you might start getting tired and your body start like kind of might start shutting down or, um, you know, different things like that. Like uh, when I go to my desk, I work, um, instead of, uh, uh, like, I'm not sure playing around or sleeping on your chair if you want to sleep on your chair, but, <laughs> but having that, um, that place to do certain things definitely helped me in, in, in all, in all aspects, not just sleep. Like, you know, like you sit down, okay, this is when I work. So I'm going to work or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, your body craves consistency. So give it what it wants. <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, no caffeine in the afternoon. Yes. So with caffeine, um, I, a lot of the times caffeine will have a longer effect on the brain than a lot of people maybe realize it does. So, um, so a lot of people will f- think about caffeine, like, okay, so caffeine, the half-life of that is like five to seven hours. Uh, so if I have a cup of coffee at five p- or 4 p.m. by 11, that's going to be out of my system. Whereas in actuality, half-life means half that caffeine is going to be out of your system. And the other half is still going to be there while you're trying to fall asleep. And then by the time it's made, like five in the morning, a quarter of that caffeine is still going to be in your system. Uh, and so I always recommend... Uh, no caffeine after 2 p.m. is usually the the latest I would I would recommend because it does uh, whether or not you're sort of feeling that alertness or that um, uh, that energy that you associate with having a cup of coffee. There are these uh, um, sort of residual effects that do uh, maybe if you're not noticing them consciously, they're still having an effect on on your uh, on your unconscious brain. Uh, when it's trying to go through these these different things, it needs to uh, during sleep. So uh, better to be on the safe side. No caffeine uh, after 2 p.m. And I know there are uh, absolutely tons of cultures where it's like, oh, yeah, we have our supper. We have our dessert with coffee. Have a coffee yeah, before bed. <laughs> exactly. That, it, whether or not it, there's a cultural significance to that, I cannot say. Whether it's good for sleep, it's sorry. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's something I was introduced to uh, with my fiance. Uh, she's, uh, she's Macedonian and they have mm. uh, sometimes like, uh, well, we call it Tursko. Uh, I probably stuffed that up, but like Turkish coffee, like at, uh, at night sometimes. Um, and I love it. Like I actually have, uh, I think a, a, a talent with caffeine as in I can, <laughs> like, I can just have a coffee and just go straight to sleep. It's, it's, mm. it's probably because I was drinking a liter back when I was personal training. I just have this, <laughs> I have this immunity where it doesn't even affect me. And anymore. you say you toss internal a lot as well throughout your sleep. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm, pro- I'm probably just shaking because I'm like, <laughs> got the, <laughs> the caffeine jitters. Um, and the last point, um, prioritize relaxation. And I think that um, that's often often, often not a priority in, in, in people's life, like just sitting there and relaxing. Mm-hmm. And so with this one, uh, I, I'm worried I'm going to sound contradictory and I'm just going to go back on everything that I've said, but I do have a point and I will explain, I promise. Because um, I actually, I practiced it, uh, uh, explaining it to my partner earlier so that he could understand it. So now I know I've got it down pat. All right. Um, <laughs> so um, in terms of a lot of people that will have trouble with insomnia, um, uh, the thing with insomnia is a lot of the times it can be very psychologically based rather than actually physiologically what's happening with your sleep and that people will have a lot of worries uh, about 
sleep and, and about their sleeping environment. There's really truly nothing that can keep you awake better than I have to go to sleep. I have to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I have this thing in the morning that I have to get this much sleep. Nothing will keep you awake better than that. For I sure. can vouch for that. Um, I can vouch for that. <laughs> and so a lot of the times people will find, uh, or what happens is that um, you will, your brain will start associating those thoughts, those stressful uh, sort of anxious uh, feelings with your sleep environment, so which is very counterintuitive. Uh, like I was saying, uh, have your brain uh, have this specific place for sleep so that it can recognize that. But if it's you're having this emotional association with sleep where um, you're getting very anxious and stressed out about it, that's also going to be how your brain interprets it. So sometimes I'll find even when pe uh, people are coming to my lab and I'm hooking them up with wires and things and expecting them to sleep with it, they'll find, oh, I actually had a great sleep tonight for some reason. And it's because they're in a new environment. Their brain's not having that same association. So if you, I find the, the best thing that, uh, that works when uh, patients come into my lab and they're worried about being able to fall asleep, I tell them, try your best, don't even worry about it. Yeah, you, you might not fall asleep and that might happen. But if you're just uh, lying there relaxed and you know that it's okay, it's all right to have a, a bad night of sleep maybe tonight and then maybe your next one's gonna be better. If you just aren't concerned uh, saliently with like, I have to fall asleep, I have to fall asleep. If you just focus on relaxing, just sort of be more in the moment, usually sleep will really like get its stranglehold on you at that point. <laughs> So, so just prioritizing relaxing more than sleeping necessarily, I guess is what I meant by that. So do you think um, that's why like um, maybe listening to a podcast or having white noise or having like almost a little distraction, not like a TV show or something to really captivate you, but like just like kind of sounds to be like, okay, I'm not just lying there going, I need to sleep because tomorrow I have a big meeting or, you know, tomorrow's a big day. I really need a good sleep. Um, absolutely you know, yeah, is there any, it works for me <laughs> yeah and is there any recommendations that you would have for people that just kind of like because i know a lot of people that struggle with sleep like waking up in the middle of the night not being able to sleep heaps on their mind is like is there anything that you'd recommend uh you mean aside from recommending going back and listening to the first two episodes of the better brock podcast yeah um yeah i would and, recommend and just kind of like <laughs> Uh, like and 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 just trying to be in the moment and 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 stuff like that because I can imagine people just going okay I'm I'm just going to be in the moment and then they're thinking about being in the moment and and then they're worried about two things like that old chestnut absolutely yeah um, yeah <laughs> uh, what I would say for people who are um, having trouble getting to sleep if they're having those those uh, those thoughts the the flight of thoughts having trouble quieting their brain um, either even at the beginning of the night or throughout the night if they're waking up having trouble falling back to sleep. The best rule of thumb to go off of is after maybe about 20 minutes to a half hour, get out of bed. You might be uh, thinking like, oh, I have to, but I have to get this much sleep. You're not going to be sleeping regardless. So breaking that association of having these thoughts in bed is the best thing really you can do at that time for having proper sleep hygiene. So after about a, a 20 minutes, half hour, if you're still not asleep, get out of bed, start doing just something else, do some dishes, maybe like uh, start reading something and then only go back to bed when you are feeling tired again so that your brain will be able to reform that association just with being tired, not with having all this stress about it. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I, I actually struggled with that recently. Um, I fell asleep on the couch. So breaking all the rules that I've been talking about. Um, but I oh, it's acknowledge so fun to break these rules. <laughs> <laughs> rules were made to be broken, right? So, <laughs> 
So uh, we were watching The Office because actually that's hilarious. I've been watching that a lot lately. It's it's very funny. Um, and we fell asleep on the on 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 the couch with my fiance. And I think it was in that time that you said that it's not a good time to wake up because I woke up feeling tired, but it was also a bit too much because it was nine thirty at night. So I napped at nine. Nine till like nine thirty, nine forty-five, really not good. And then I tried to sleep for an hour, I was staring at the roof. So I woke up and I just started working. Uh, and I think I fell asleep again at maybe one or two. Um, like I didn't feel great the next day, to be honest. But I literally feel like I'm just like lying in bed, staring at the roof, and it's not doing anything. Like, and I was doing that thing. I, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. I need to sleep. And it just didn't work. But then, uh, so, so you're saying that you, uh, when you did end up falling back to sleep at one, that was after, uh, sorry, had you said you, you were yes. just. Y- yeah. So I was laying in bed and then I just got up and I started doing things like you were saying, like, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of did it because I was just thinking about it. I need to sleep. And I was thinking, oh no, I'm going to wake up early to try and work and I'm going to be tired. And I was just like accumulating all these thoughts. So I just got up and did things until I felt tired again. And then I fell asleep. Okay. Like obviously it was a shorter sleep and that, well, obviously napping at nine o'clock is not the ideal situation. That's probably definitely the cause, but um, Mm. I think also, and this is a bit of a side tangent, but lying down in bed, sometimes the thoughts cannot be that great. Sometimes your mind can go into a bit of a rabbit hole. So I thought it, it, it might be better to distract myself with a bit of work or a bit of something um, to actually kind of pass the time because you think, oh, this, oh, bad sleep. And then sometimes I go down like a bit of a negative rabbit hole. So it was good to kind Absolutely, of, yeah. um, to get my mind off it. And you know, it, not even always negative things. I've spent hours trying to fall asleep and not being able to because I started thinking about all the cool things I would do if I got like psychic abilities. So it's really just any thoughts. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not great. So <laughs> uh, Well, I would have preferred that than the way that I was going. It definitely, I, was oh, like, okay, I, yeah, I need to get up now. Um, and uh, uh, lastly, I just wanted to touch on the seven to nine hour recommendation. So that's kind of, you know, what I've been recommending. That's what I believe like the research is kind of pointing us in this uh in this time but why seven to nine hours and maybe what happens if there's you know if there's less than seven to nine hours and i know this is probably a big conversation um but i'd love to hear your thoughts on it and then we can kind of wrap it up yeah no absolutely uh so the seven to nine hours um is the uh, essentially the the standard of sleep that uh we as humans uh need Really, there's there's always going to be people who's like, oh, I heard about this person who like uh, gets four hours of sleep and they're fine. Or like, also like you were saying with uh, with uh, like bro science and and uh, exercising as well. I feel like a lot of stuff with exercising is like trying one upsmanship and like, oh, I can do this much, I can do this much. With sleep, it's the complete opposite direction. Where it's like, oh, I can sleep this little, I can sleep this, like I don't need that much sleep. And it's it's um, so it, truly. <laughs> it, it goes as well back first of all so what second of all not quite um because it goes as well back to that uh, uh self-assessment and how poor we are at being able to see like when we're sleeping how well we're sleeping and also even throughout the day uh the research also shows we uh, as humans tend to also underestimate how sleepy we are like how how um fatigued we are throughout the day we tend to think that we're even more alert than we are um the fr- uh, truly frightening um, scenarios where people don't realize they're maybe falling asleep for like three to four seconds while driving sometimes. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> uh, the seven to nine hours is um, 
uh, essentially uh, hardwired into our into our genetics as uh, the amount of time uh, sleep that we need because of the different things that your brain needs to accomplish throughout the night. So uh, we talked about those uh, sleep phases that happen uh, once every 90 minutes to two hours throughout the night, and they'll happen over and over again. Um, and so even between those sleep uh, cycles, there are distinct changes as well. Whereas at the beginning of the night, what you'll do is you'll have much longer deep sleep periods that end, or, uh, that uh, stage three sleep that uh, is used a lot for repairing your body, making sure your muscles are, are uh, functioning properly. Um, and uh, especially the, the cardiovascular muscles, you really wanna keep those healthy for sure. Mm. Um, and then you don't have very much REM sleep at all, maybe only five minutes in the first sleep stage. And then uh, each subsequent um, sleep cycle you have throughout the night, your deep sleep periods, your, your slow wave and three sleep will get shorter and shorter and your REM sleep periods will get longer and longer. And so in order to get enough of both the deep sleep that you want for repairing your body and also your REM sleep that you want for memory consolidation, emotional processing, um, and also uh, you know, all, the, all the smaller stages of sleep in between that your body also uses for, um, uh, 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 oh boy, I forget the word for it. performative memory. That's probably not it. Procedural memory. There we go. These are like, especially when you're training, learning a new exercise, ha having your body learn the specific movements it has to go through. You need a certain amount of these other stages of sleep as well for your body to be able to acquire these skills. So is that um, where that whole sleep on it thing comes from? Like, you know, when you're studying, oh, I'll sleep on it and you'll... And you get absolutely it. and you know what it's it's uh it's viewed as sort of just like a, an idiom or so, something people say it's actually how it works when you sleep uh your brain goes through these processes where it's uh, moving things from short-term memory to long-term memory you uh there's a certain stage of sleep where you'll have these very quick bursts of neural activity called sleep spindles and that's been associated with learning new behaviors of like um if you're uh, starting uh, a new exercise, you might be really shit. Oh, sorry. I am I allowed to swear? That's all right. It's fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> really bad at it. No <laughs> we'll sponsors. We're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might be really bad uh, at these, these exercises the first time you try it. And the next day you'll find it comes a lot more easily because you've had these, uh, these sleep spindles. And the, the more you have in a night has been associated with uh, being able to learn things uh, better. Um, and so the reason that we, we need the seven to nine hours, depending on the person, uh, is because that's when you'll get the optimal amount of stage three sleep at the beginning of the night and uh, as well uh, REM sleep near the end of the night. And so most of your REM is happening uh, right in the morning, uh, which is also why we tend to wake up in the morning from dreams, because that's just more when we're having a REM sleep. Mm. Um, and then also, uh, so that's why if you're getting less than that you're not really getting all the, you might be getting a lot of deep sleep maybe not very much REM sleep at all um and so that's why definitely not less than seven to nine hours is recommended on the other hand as well sleeping longer than that people who sleep maybe 10 to 12 hours on that's also not recommended <laughs> because uh as you're going through your sleep and your REM is getting longer and longer um these uh if you're continuing to sleep uh, because of how active the brain is during REM sleep, you might find if you're sleeping in, you might even feel more tired than if you would have gotten up at your regular time because your brain is starting to fatigue itself even just with how active it's being in this stage of sleep. So keeping it in that in that window is really the the, the sweet spot. Wow, man, that makes sense. Um, with uh, my memory, um, my family, 
especially growing up, like um, in that phase where I told you I was like hustle, hustle, hustle. I thought, you know, sleep when you're dead, uh, <laughs> you know, sleep is overrated type of thing. My memory could not have been worse. Uh, my brother was <laughs> like, he was always laughing at my memory. My dad was like laughing at my memory. But now um, I've come to a point where, and it was pretty much when I transitioned from face-to-face personal training to online training, because I had more time in the day, I was no longer waking up at 4.45, sculling a liter of coffee to go and, you know, train clients for 14 hours and then come back and sleep for four to six hours and like repeat it. I actually had time to sleep. My memory has actually become a lot better. And I was, and like my fiance said the other day, like, oh, oh, she said it a few times that I have really good memory. Um, and I'm like, man, that's definitely well, not well, true. Well. But it's, yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've kind of turned the tables because, because I literally used to calculate my hours before bed and try and go, how little can I have? Mm. like I used to go like four hours out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, <laughs> we're going to get so much done tomorrow, but you don't mm. realize how unproductive you are when you're tired. Like you think like, and I was so obsessed with my mentality going all in, like focus, like take over the world type of mindset, which is great, mm. but mix that with no sleep. And you don't actually end up achieving much. You kind of end up chasing your tail. And I feel like the ideas that I had, and the things that I pursued were not of the quality that I'm pursuing now with like a, a, a better perspective or vision with more sleep. Like it's crazy. And, 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 you know, that's why I wanted to get you on because I've had such a transformation just from sleeping more. Like I literally used to think how little can I get? And now I'm like, okay, let's be sensible. Like let's get seven to nine. And even like, I'm still trying to get better. I still kind of sometimes fall between six, but that is a lot better than the four I was getting before. It's a, it's a, it's a huge transformation. Every little bit counts. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Like it's a quality of life thing, man. Like, um, obviously the, the move from face to face to, to online was, you know, like, so I could help other people as well and say, work with people such as yourself in different countries, but the actual, quality of life that I've actually had to have now in comparison to when I was like, so hustle bustle has been such a big change. Um, mm-hmm. May I just want to, oh, so, so, sorry, you go, you go. Oh, I was just going to say, because uh, if you think about, Oh yeah, I could get such a little sleep and then I'll have so much more time throughout the day. Yeah. I mean, what's that worth if you're exhausted and you can't do anything with it, you know, I was constantly, so I used to nap in the car, um, not, not while driving. Sorry, that was going to be a big question I was going <laughs> to have for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you driving? So I used to drive into work um, and, and train clients from 6 a.m. to 8, 9. And I used to be so tired. I used to walk to the car park, put the mm. thing back and just sleep. And I was so tired I could sleep without having any earplugs. I'm like in the CBD of Sydney. No eye cover. I would just fall asleep straight away, put my alarm on back up and then I'd go train clients. And then I'd like, I went through a phase where I was doing it every possible time I was trying to nap. It was, it was not a good place to be. So this is, you know, like, I guess I wanted to create this podcast for, you know, maybe the, the old Brock's running around there and just, (laughs) and, 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 and just, it's such a change of quality of life for something so simple. And that's why I get really frustrated with things in the industry that are like, Uh, supplements that don't work or, you know, do this program and, you know, build this much muscle and it's like, try this diet. This is going to do that. And that when like, because sleep is so hard to sell and it's not sexy, it's not talked about a lot. Like, Hey man, sleep seven to nine hours. Yeah. Like everyone's like, you know, whatever, give me the bark. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like give me the powder that I can take so that 
you know, I can shred body fat, but really all you, well, a big contributing factor could be just sleeping seven to nine hours and seeing how that plays out on the rest of your day. And one thing I guess I just want to close on is we've spoken about so much today, but there's also the fact that when you're underslept, like it, like everything else kind of dominoes down, like it just gets worse. Like, um, like me, when I used to not sleep much, my training was average. I was getting injured quite a lot. I did my back really bad. Mm. Um, and people that are struggling to lose weight, um, as well as that thing you were touching on with insulin levels and, and less sleep. When you're tired, you always take the most convenient option. And the most convenient yeah. option is not going home and cooking a healthy meal. It's grabbing takeaways on the way back drive through style, you know, yeah. or it's, or it's, you know, grabbing a chocolate bar and just going to bed. And it's like not going for a walk. It's sitting down and watching the office, you know, like I've been doing lately. Um, it's, <laughs> Like, you know, it's not just the scientific or like um, physiological response to not sleeping. It's also the psychological psychological effects it has on you that really makes a huge difference in how your quality of life is throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also going back to the chocolate bar right before bed, the people forget ca- chocolate has caffeine in it too. So <laughs> that's also really bad. <laughs> no good. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure. I've uh, I've enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, have you got any, uh, uh, I guess, departing words that you want to say? Or is there anything uh, on the horizon that you're working on or that you're kind of focusing on at the moment? Oh, boy. Um, well, uh, in terms of working on, not necessarily, I guess. I do work at a, just a public hospital, so I'm going to get paid the same anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess... Yeah, uh, just something to to part on, uh, especially what you're talking about about the sort of machismo sort of attitude towards towards sleep. We gotta we gotta try hard, uh, and all you listeners at home, I don't know, whatever you can think of, try and make sleep seem cool. You know, like let's try and make sleep cool again, right? Is that a thing? Hashtag make, make sleep cool again. Let's make try and do it. Cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Man, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, man.